Section 82 of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies, an Authentic Record of Remarkable Cases, by John B. Lewis and Charles C. Bombau. Problematical Cases, Part 4. The Ardlemont Mystery, Part 1. In December 1893, a trial of unusual interest took place in the High Court of Justiciary in Edinburgh, before the Lord Justice Clerk of Scotland, Lord Kingsbury, and a jury of fifteen. The prisoner was Alfred John Monson, of Kyles of Butte, and he was arraigned on two charges, attempted murder and murder, of a pupil placed in his educational charge named W. D. C. Hambro a man going by the name of scott but with several aliases who was not forthcoming was included in the indictment which read as follows alfred john monson and edward sweeney alias david alias scott are indicted at the instance of the hon john blair balfour lord advocate and the charges against you are one that you having formed the design of causing by drowning the death of windsor dudley cecil hambro did in execution thereof bore or cause to be bored in the side of a boat a hole and having plugged or closed the said hole on august tenth eighteen ninety three you a j monson in execution of the said design did in ardlemont bay in the firth of clyde while the said boat was in deep water remove or cause to be removed the plug from the said hole and admit the water into and did sink the said boat whereby the said w d c hambro was thrown into the sea and you a j monson and e sweeney did thus attempt to murder him two that on august tenth eighteen ninety three at a part of a wood situated about three hundred sixty yards or thereby in an easterly or northeasterly direction from ardlemont house you a j monson and e sweeney did shoot the said w d c hambro and kill him and you e sweeney being conscious of your guilt in the premises did abscond and flee from justice there being no opening statement by counsel in the scottish courts the alleged crime may be thus outlined three years before lieutenant hambro eldest son of major d a hambro of sleephill castle isle of wight was placed under the tutelage of monson at risley hall yorkshire at whitsuntide eighteen ninety three the family removed to ardlemont kyles of butte scotland with young hambro in residence as a pupil of monson in august the man scott was a visitor at ardlemont in the ostensible capacity of an engineer of a small steam launch chartered by monson on the evening of august ninth monson and hambro were fishing in a small boat off ardlemont point when the boat capsized hambro could not swim monson easily managed to swim to shore where he got another boat and rescued his companion next morning they started out early to shoot shortly before nine o'clock they were seen with scott entering the home plantation and soon afterwards a shot was fired according to the prisoner's statement he had separated from his companion and on running up after hearing the shot and getting no reply to his inquiry as to what he had got he found hambro lying dead in the ditch with a gunshot wound behind his ear a medical certificate of accidental death was given hambro's body was removed to ventmore and interred in the family vault on august thirtieth monson was arrested and on september fourth hambro's body was exhumed 
meantime scott had disappeared monson is well connected being a son of the late rev t j monson rector of kirkby under dale his mother is a daughter of the fifth viscount galway at the time of his arrest he was thirty-three years of age ten years before he was engaged as an assistant master at peter meritsburg lieutenant hambro who belonged to a very old family was heir to large estates in the isle of wight and elsewhere several of the leading members of the scotch bar were engaged in the trial as counsel for the crown and the prisoner was ably defended the examination of witnesses occupied the court eight days more than six days being devoted to the evidence called on behalf of the prosecution while about two days and a half sufficed to dispose of the witnesses called for the defence in the opening case for the crown mr james brand a civil engineer pointed out the localities of the different events on a large diagram the plan showed ardlemont house situated at the north end of an area with woods on three sides the woods on the east side of the house had the appearance of an attenuated triangle with its base to the north at the extreme south end of it is the schoolhouse from which monson scott and hambro were seen to enter the wood on the morning of the tenth along its eastern boundary is a sunk fence which while it places almost level with the wood has a retaining wall on the east side four feet in depth it was at the northeast corner of this wood that the shooting fatality occurred running due west from the spot is a footpath along the side of another dyke ending at the back of the house ardlemont bay is on the southwest of the house and is also approached by a pathway through a plantation the theory of the crown was that hambro was shot from the wood while walking along the top of the turf dyke and the witness brand gave in detail the distances from the spot where the body was found to the house and to the gamekeeper's cottage from the same point to a rowan tree was six feet six inches to a beech tree thirteen feet nine inches and to a lime tree sixteen feet three inches these trees were considerably in evidence in the course of the trial especially the rowan which by the way was a sapling about ten feet in height interest quickened when mr brand came to speak of the height on the trees at which pellets were found these ranging from four feet eight inches to five feet ten inches on the rowan tree to eight feet eight inches on the lime tree the wood about the spot in question was described as having trees of moderate size with tall undergrowth of winds over the sunk fence on the low level is a plantation of new wood with grass and ferns below the retaining wall in line with the place where the body was found was an opening in the winds and describing an experiment he had made mr brand said that by placing a man on top of the dyke he got from the gap in question the man's head the rowan tree and the beech tree all in line behind each other he maintained that along the top of the turf fence was very good walking taken next to ardlement bay by the solicitor-general he described its features and said that except at the horns of the bay there were no rocks in it on which a boat could strike and founder among the most interesting witnesses for the prosecution was mr james mcnaughton an edinburgh gunmaker he described the pellet marks on the rowan tree and stated that their spread was twenty inches measured horizontally the branches of the lime and the beech which grew behind the rowan tree intermingled and taking these together the spread of the pellets there was forty-one inches 
that was rather more than he would have expected but he accounted for it by the deflection of part of the shot by first striking the rowan tree from experiments he had made with the Ardlemont guns and with a gun of his own he fixed the distance at which a spread of shot could be got such as he found on the rowan tree at twenty-two feet walking back from the rowan tree in the line of fire to that distance brought him to an opening in the brushwood beside a windbush breast high then he took an officer the height of hambro and put him on the spot where the dead man's feet were said to have lain he raised his gun to his shoulder and the officer's head came into line with the injured part of the rowan tree the spot where he stood was about a foot below the level of the ground on which the officer stood so that the muzzle of his gun being slightly elevated would account for the injuries to the lyman beach being higher up than those of the rowan tree had the gun gone off in the ditch or from the top of the wall the shot could not possibly have taken such a direction as he had indicated mr mcnaughton produced and explained a long series of cardboard diagrams illustrative of the effects of shot which he had obtained by experimenting with the two ardlemont guns with black powder schultz and amberite cartridges such as they had been using at ardlemont one fact in connection therewith being that all traces of scorching disappeared after three feet in deliberate tones and amid a profound silence in court he gave it as the result of his experiments and from an examination of the skull that hambro had been shot from nine feet off very quietly the solicitor-general then brought out the relation of this fact to the other distance of twenty-two feet which mr mcnaughton had mentioned from the rowan tree to the spot where hambro's head was lying was six feet one from his head to his feet was put down at six feet as he was nearly that height and adding the twelve feet one to the nine feet which the witness gave as the distance from which the shot had been fired the summation was brought up to twenty-one feet one inch to another question mr mcnaughton gave it as his deliberate view that the wound could not have been self-inflicted accidentally or otherwise this evidence made a strong impression on the audience when it came to the medical testimony the veteran dr littlejohn detailed the results of the post-mortem examination of the body of young hambro exhumed for the purpose at ventnor the wound behind the right ear was of triangular shape with the base towards the face its extreme length was three and a half inches at its base it had a length of two and a half inches at its middle it was two inches and tapered off posteriorly a portion of the middle of the right ear had been carried away on no part of the ragged edges of the wound was there any appearance of blackening as if from gunpowder or scorching but four minute specks apparently metallic and which afterwards on examination turned out to be fragmentary portions of lead were found adhering to the edges on the scalp being dissected it was found that over a space of an irregular shape and measuring two inches from before backwards and fully an inch at its greatest breadth the bone was wanting the skull on that side it was further said presented a localized shattered appearance stretching from below the occipital protuberance directly forward in the direction of the ear the base of the temporal bone was shattered on the brain being removed and carefully examined four metallic masses of irregular shape and resembling shot were found and preserved a careful autopsy had also been made of the other parts of the body which were found in a healthy condition 
the general conclusion arrived at was that hambro died from shock the result of a gunshot wound and of subsequent loss of blood dr macdonald brown an anatomical expert said that the main facts elicited in the examination were that the appearance the wound presented was quite inconsistent with the idea that the shot had been fired from below upwards or from the side or from the front the direction of the wound was from behind forward as the outcome of experiments they had found that shot fired at any distance nearer than three feet produced results totally dissimilar to those found in hambro's skull and they were therefore inclined to place the possible distance at which the shot was fired between three and fifteen feet but he added that undoubtedly the distance at which they got results approximating those under consideration was nine feet under five feet the head would simply have been blown to atoms he also gave it as his view that it was absolutely impossible that the injuries had been caused accidentally by hambro himself after a special examination of the skull dr brown summed up his conclusions in three propositions one that the pieces of bone found on the dyke belonged to hambro's skull two that the shot which killed him was fired from behind and three that the line of that fire was not far from horizontal dr heron watson who had been a surgeon in the crimea gave it as his view that the wound had not been self-inflicted that the gun had been fired from behind that the passage of the shot had been almost horizontal and that nine feet was the distance from which the shot had been fired less than four feet would have injured the skull to a greater extent and at more than eleven or twelve feet they would have looked for separate pellet wounds he believed that hambro had been shot and had bled where he was found lying corroborative testimony was given by dr joseph bell who said that after long thinking the matter over he had not been able to make out how either designedly or accidentally hambro could have shot himself the following is a brief summary of the evidence with regard to the insurances which were assumed by the prosecution to supply the motive for the alleged murder john graham mclean district manager of the mutual life insurance company of new york explained that monson called on him in glasgow on august second and said he was guardian of hambro who was coming in for a fortune of two hundred thousand pounds that mrs monson had advanced twenty thousand pounds for the purchase of ardlamont and that he would like an insurance on hambro's life to cover the amount the policies were after negotiations drawn out and signed by hambro they were assigned to mrs monson and a half-yearly premium was paid one policy for ten thousand pounds was completed and another was delivered for completion to mr monson on the eighth witness learned of the death of hambro through the press witness arranged a meeting with monson at st enoch's hotel glasgow when monson gave him a story similar to that given to other witnesses except that he did not mention that the body lay in a ditch monson asked how will we go about the claim witness replied we will arrange after the funeral at a later meeting witness said they must have evidence of death from the fiscal before going further an important letter was read from hambro to mrs monson dated august seven or nine agreeing to assign the policies to her in consideration of her advancing the money for the purchase of the ardlamont estate a copy of this letter was found among the insurance papers 
mr david stewart resident secretary in glasgow of the liverpool and london and globe insurance company said that on july twenty fifth monson called in reference to a proposal lodged a few days before for an insurance of fifty thousand pounds on hambro's life the head office declined to accept the risk mr james wardle the leeds manager of the same insurance company spoke of a proposal on may twenty eighth for an insurance of fifteen thousand pounds on mr hambro's life the policy was to be in the name of monson whose interest was stated to be to cover certain advances another proposal was lodged this time for fifty thousand pounds in the name of mrs monson the insurance company's directors considered the statement of interest too vague and applied for further details monson in reply enclosed a letter signed by hambro dated july thirty first eighteen ninety three acknowledging his indebtedness to mrs monson to the extent of twenty six thousand pounds and at the same time intimating that as other arrangements had been made the proposal for fifty thousand pounds would be reduced to twenty six thousand pounds monson also stated that hambro was entitled to a sum of two hundred thousand pounds under his great-grandfather's life the insurance was ultimately declined the directors not being satisfied as to the insurable interest of the proposer in hambro's life in cross-examination the witness admitted that monson had told him of the transfer by major hambro father of the deceased of his life interest in the estates to the eagle insurance company and that he monson had entered into an agreement to buy that interest from the eagle insurance company william m wisely agent in glasgow for the scottish provident institution said his head office in edinburgh had received a proposal by monson for fifty thousand pounds on the life of another and witness accordingly on july eleventh proceeded to ardlemont and had an interview with monson he understood monson to be a trustee of hambro but was afterwards told by monson that he was no longer trustee he was also told that unless an insurance were effected monson would be a loser to the extent of forty nine thousand pounds the proposal for fifty thousand pounds on hambro's life was signed by mrs monson whose interest was stated to be to cover advances made and liability in connection with the hambro estates the company never received proof of mrs monson's insurable interest in young hambro's life and the transaction fell through monson subsequently intimated that in consequence of other arrangements the insurance would be reduced to ten thousand pounds to cover the money actually due from mr cecil hambro on his attaining twenty-one cross-examined on august ninth the day before hambro's death witness wrote to monson that subject to satisfactory evidence of mrs monson's interest and to the payment of the premium of one hundred eighty pounds five shillings his company were prepared to issue a policy of ten thousand pounds none of the arrangements had been hidden from young hambro everything was done quite openly the first proposal had been made by hambro on his own life End of section eighty two